and welcome to the May 7th, 2023 edition of Sunday Seance, uh, brought to you by New Dog Mazine. Uh, this is Andrew. I'm here with Grant and Mitch. How are you guys? Doing well. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. No game last night. How about you, yeah. Mitch? Uh, living. Uh, <laughs> it was actually kind of nice to have a Saturday where didn't have to worry about a game. So, um, yeah, does the the existential dread that generally fills me on Saturdays. There was none of that. Yes. Well, not, you know, there was the usual amount, but nothing. I was going to say, there's all, there's, <laughs> it's always yeah. there. It's just a matter of where the scale's at. Yeah. So. Where you're channeling it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we've got, we've got the Knoxville game to talk about. Uh, as much as uh, I'd rather watch paint dry than rewatching that match again, I did rewatch that match yesterday. Um, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were not, really bored yesterday, huh? I, I mean, <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you just got to take one for the team. Um, and, you know, when it, it's either I have notes uh, for us to, <laughs> to have stuff to talk about. I watched, uh, this, I watched this morning, so I figured I'd yeah. start my, my, my Sunday. Sunday scaries appropriately, exactly. <laughs> and you know, with uh, with that with that game. So, yeah. So, uh, just some sort of high level recap of the match. Um, another nil nil draw uh, for Madison was without Mitch Osman due to illness. Um, it, we find ourselves at a five game start to the season unbeaten, matching a streak set in twenty twenty one. You know, I, I prefer to talk about more interesting streaks or stats. Uh, and matching a five-game unbeaten streak when you've only won what one, two, one of them, one. one of them, one, not really the greatest thing to be able to brag about. Uh, but again, I think part of this is just finding that silver lining where we, wherever we can. Um, it, you know, I just I, go back. I just go back to Mitch's theory that if you get draws every game. You're going to end up in the playoffs. Eventually, so. <laughs> eventually, we'll pull out a couple wins here and there. It, 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 and we'll get it, some extra points, and that'll be enough. Yeah. Like I said, eight wins, twenty-four draws. That's forty-eight points. That's a playoff yeah. spot. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know the interesting thing. Uh, one of the things I wanted I wanted to bring up. You know we've we've had two hundred fifty-five minutes of play since our last goal. It was the the fourth goal and the four-one beat or a drubbing, I should say, of Greenville. Should we be worried at this point? Is it tired legs or is it something else? Well, on the other hand, we also have gone more than that without giving up a goal. So we've got that going for us, which is nice. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know how much of a cause for concern there is. Um, it's, really, it's really hard to say. Uh, I think tactically, the game that we had on Wednesday, I don't think I've ever seen us play like that before. Um, like outside of like maybe like a game or two against Omaha a couple years ago, um, we had this kind of tactic where we it was similar to what we did against Greenville, but not really. Um, where we just tried to decide, we decided we're just going to try to boot it past their midfield at least for the first half, um, and it didn't work and that not working kind of set the tone we didn't hold possession i mean 
a lot of the possession was, you know, we had 46% possession. The bigger numbers, I think, are the are the passes where they happened. Um, Knoxville had 167 passes in their own half. They had 170 in our half. So more than, so half their passes were in were in our half of the field. Um, we had 169 in our own half of the field and 109 on the other side. So um, I, I think that the possession numbers are a little bit uh, misleading there. It felt like Knoxville was really trying to control the game, or at least we were letting them uh, yeah. control the game. Um, yeah, but they really didn't get any great chances off of it. Like they're two, they're two big, big opportunities seemed almost like mistakes, like d- just like accidental. You know, the shot by Waldeck uh, soon after the half, and then there was the uh, the shot at the very end of the game, both of which Burn just kind of pl- you know swatted it out. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, our offense did not look good. Um, and I don't know if there was a tactical reason for that, um, because it kind of felt like we tried something different tactically and it just didn't work. Uh, but I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, going off of what Mitch was saying, I think, he, you know, we noticed pretty early on that they were trying to play the long ball game because of, you know, Knoxville came in pressing, pressing high. And usually when, you know, the team presses high, you can beat them with balls over the top. Um, That didn't seem to work, like Mitch said. And um, if anything, I think we showed that we're tired in the second half. We just kind of settled in just to get a point. Um, Because I think we kind of knew that they weren't going to (laughs) score. And... uh, well, when your yeah. point striker is Jake Keegan, you yeah, know. and so, um, yeah, I it, it's just, yeah, I mean, I think the guys have played a lot of games, and um, and yet they, you know, they haven't either. I mean, so, yeah. um, played two games four days apart. Yeah, and that's that's tough, especially when one of them is on the road. Yeah. You got to travel, and you got to you know deal with flights and everything like that. And so, it also doesn't help that your captain was sick and didn't travel, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, and so, and Mitch is, you know, Mitch is kind of known for sending those good long balls in and um, and really kind of setting the, you know, setting the offense from the back. But, um, yeah, it was frustrating. I think it's just, if there's any word that to describe that performance, it was, it was frustrating. I think, I think all the guys would say that too. I think they were frustrated. I think they were, you know, they left that game. You're always happy to get a point, but um it's hard to come away from that game feeling like that's a game we shouldn't have gotten three points in. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I noticed this right away when we were watching it on Wednesday. Didn't take a rewatch to figure it out, but the the, the pitch conditions were good on like the, you know, the there was a natural surface. They mm-hmm. the, the pitch is surrounded by turf, apparently, but the actual playing surface is grass. Um but the thing I think that distracted our guys, at least in the first half anyway, was that super bright sunshine mixed with really dark shadows on the pitch. Um, and this is like their temporary grounds, right? They're building a new stadium right now. Uh, they were when we were there for the eruption tour uh, back in, in 2022. Uh, but y- you could tell at times it was quite obviously hard for players to see. 
noticeably Timmy Mel covering his eyes multiple times, looking yep. toward the other side of the pitch. How much do you guys think that that made a difference? I mean, Grant, you're somebody that that played at a, a decently high level. Uh, yep. How much does that sort of uh, visual uh, the difference between the light and the dark play into a result like this? This is always one of those um, those little things that happen during a game that you'll hear fans say, it's like, well, well, you know, you have to play through it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and that just kind of shows to me how much you played. Um, that's like a tell because that matters. You know, it's like, I, I always think back, you know, to when Miller park, when that used to be, that, that's an unknown thing in Miller park during day games is get your runs early because when the shadows come in, it's hard to pick up the ball. You know, it just is. And um, it's the same thing in soccer. It's the same thing. Um, you know, when you're playing with a white ball um, and with a high sky, like uh, like they get down in Tennessee, um, it gets really hard when during sunsets, if the sun is directly in your eyes to kind of know when those balls are in the air and know where your positioning should be. And as we know, um, those fractions of a seconds matter. And so if, if it's that, that little fraction of a second where you're trying to gauge where the ball is, you can't, cause you can't pick it up. That can, that can lead to something. I mean, and just leads to, I think a general feeling of uncertainty where you're not comfortable playing because you know, you're also playing against this too. And that, and that can affect the flow of a game too. So, I I mean, it almost seemed to me watching it like, you know, we, we talk a lot about cohesion when it comes to these guys playing together and, you know, we also talk about like the, the sort of, the sort of background mechanisms that they get used to with each other. Yep. And while you're trying to still work towards that, it's gotta be difficult if you can't see them. Right. It throws you off. Right. And I think any time that you see, I mean, like you brought it up, Timmy, you know, Timmy was using his hand to block out the sun, the sunlight. That's not something like in his typical game plan that he's used to dealing with. Right. That's a, that's another thing you have to add in to worry about now. And so if you have a player doing that, then yeah, it's an issue. Yeah, it's it, it has an impact then because he's changing his everyday approach to the game in order to, you know, in, <laughs> in order to be the best that he can be. And yeah. so. Yeah, you know, Mitch, you mentioned something after this game. Uh, we were talking about some of the stats around it. Uh, I took a look at the heat map yesterday for, for Madison. We spent far less time in the opposition box compared to other games this season. Uh, that had, that has to be a main contributor to the just extremely low XG throughout the course of this game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it was 0.42, uh, for Knoxville, uh, to 0.40 for us, uh, just really low. Um, like I, I mentioned to you guys, I can't remember the last time I saw a total XG below one, and it was pretty significantly below one. Um, this is the type of so- soccer they make fun of on The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think it, I think it was twofold. Um, Knoxville's offense, despite having a lot of possession on our side of the field, was bad. Was really bad. Yeah, they, not great. They struggled to put anything together, um, and I, I I think that's part partially a testament to our defense, 
Yeah. Um, even without Mitch, you know, Timmy Mel had a great game. Uh, Sam Brotherton stepped in, had a pretty darn good game. It was solid. Yeah. yeah, and that's what you want when you have a guy step in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that's a testament to, to what we were doing. Um, you know, and we almost matched them in XG despite having significantly less possession in their half of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the shots that we had probably probably could have done better with. Um, notably, I think Nazim's shot um, went after he came in uh, in the second half. He could have taken a touch and uh, and done better with it. And I think he he'd probably tell you the same. He probably should have done better with that shot. Uh, he just tried to he just tried to uh, one time it and he put it off the side netting. And uh, I think I think that was probably our best chance of the game outside of uh, outside of that one uh, early in the game when we had a uh, very credible penalty shout. Yeah, but. Uh, you know how it goes with this team, as uh, as you guys know, we do not get given penalties. Um, That's in the the USL bylaws. Yeah, yeah. Is that, I tweeted, you know, I tweeted out. Uh, I tweeted out uh, a couple days ago. If if people didn't see it, um, we have received two penalties uh, since the start of 2020. Uh, so over a course of 79 games, uh, 79 league games, we have received two penalties. Uh, in six uh in six league games, one Knoxville has received three penalties. So there's something something weird. And how many and how many how many has Lexington received in their since one. their existence? One they received one. Yeah. Um to put to put this in perspective, since the start of 2019, we've received five penalties. Um and Orlando City has received six. Orlando City B has received six. Orlando City B has not kicked a ball in this league since 2020. In fact, they had they had one less game in 2020 than than anyone else did because them in Chattanooga had a game get canceled. So they've played, I believe, trying to think of trying to think of the numbers. I think 43 league games, and they had six penalties, yeah. and we have had, I, th- well over a hundred, and we've had yeah. five. Well, I mean, and then you go into the previous week we had a penalty shout that was a hand, I mean there's a handball in the box within the first 10 minutes it's clear it's obvious right no I, mean, we, I mean we had a penalty, and, we had a clear and obvious penalty shout in the uh in the open cup game like yep in the house game matter. I, and so you know and that's where it's like you know I saw a comment online from someone saying like well you know it's like we can't always you know hope for the you know the refs to call a penalty and for this from us to score from the you know, from the spot in order to win games, but, and I get that and I get that, but that's a huge thing. Like when you're missing penalty, I mean, penalties are goals and you can win a game one, nothing on a penalty kick. How many, I'm there's, I've seen tournament. I've seen tournaments decided by, by, by a one zero finish on a penalty. Our first, our, our uh, our first good chance at a drive, second league game in North Texas, we lost in stoppage time to a penalty. Right, and so, and to me, when that happens, right, when you have a penalty, I mean, say you that penalty gets called, and you score, that changes the game. That changes the game. That changes yeah. the team. What your team does. That changes the approach. That changes everything. I mean, goals change games, yeah. and when you're not getting 
calls that could potentially give you the highest opportunity to score a goal, it's big. And when it happens game after game after game after game, it's yeah. frustrating. It's yeah. frustrating. And, and you have to wonder when you look at the numbers that Mitch has brought up, what's going on? Like, like, like it's not that it's not that we're not in the box. It's not that we don't have opportunity. We've got, they just, for whatever reason, that just, we don't get the calls. So. Yeah. I mean, so the, the, the penalty shout that Mitch mentions, if you want to go back and watch it, it's right around the 18 minute mark. Uh, Sichero is clearly thrown down by uh, Jalen Chrysler inside the six yard box and misses Sorry, connecting to Jalen Chrysler. Yeah, well, yeah, they <laughs> definitely were uh, mispronouncing his name all game. Which, I'm, by the way, there is nothing that fucking like is more grating to me having not really come up watching American soccer broadcasts than the uh, the broadcaster, the pundit, who very clearly has had their vocal training from somebody who's calling baseball games or NFL games who tries to apply the same sort of uh, vocal hokiness uh, to their soccer play-by-play. It's just... He's he's trash. Yeah. Do they not get... I really really struggle to understand how they're getting these guys' names wrong because in the press box for the Open Cup game, we had uh, pronunciation guides for both teams. Right. Yep. You know, and, and I'm not, I'm not running, I'm not running the, run of the podcast mill. up here. And that was just provided, that was just provided for us. I didn't even need I to mean, and, and Mitch, that's par for the course. I mean, they've that's, that's part of the most, most teams do that. Right. You so know? why, why, why is this such a problem in this league with our commentators? Well, I can tell you that almost all of the commentators do their color commentary from Tampa at at the like you know either Vista or whatever audio recording place that they go down near the USL headquarters, they're not actually at the stadium right. nine times out of ten. Right, yeah. but that doesn't excuse the no. the yeah. bad pronunciation. Like that might excuse like maybe they're delayed or something like that. That doesn't excuse you for saying names. Right, wrong. correct. I think it's a lack. Yeah, I think it's a lack of professionalism. To be quite honest with you. Um, anyway, back to what we were talking about, let's talk about the refs. Cause we've got, we, you know, we've got a couple of line items here. Um, you know, what did you guys make overall of the officiating? It seemed to me, it seemed especially poor, uh, in this game. Yeah, this one was bad. And like you said, on the, the penalty shout that we're talking about, it's not like, this isn't frustrated fans, you know, just great, you know, griping about you literally see Chrysler's arms go out, grab Cesaro's waist, and pull back. And you see Cesaro go down. I mean... Kind of hard to fake that. I, yeah. I, I, it's just like... That's, that's essentially like, you know, in football, where you would see a tackle with his arms extended yeah. while he's holding a defensive end trying to get around the edge. That's an obvious hold. It's an obvious call, right? right. And so... That's not to say that guys don't get pulled down the box and like there's that's just part of the game, right? The shout becomes when it's so obvious that it happened that nothing gets called. That's the problem because then that sets the tone 
for what the defense can do the rest of the game is that, yeah, you're, you know, and that, you know, that you change your attack then because you know, it's like, well, we're in the box. We got to stay up. So, cause they're not going to call it anyways. Uh, so it's been three, it's been 33 league games since we've gotten a penalty call. Um, and I kind of want to go through all 33 of those games and just make a compilation of every single credible penalty shot that we have because it's double digits for sure, you know, and maybe we don't get half those calls, but the fact that we don't get any of those calls is extreme, especially when we get calls against us like that phantom handball that Mitch Osmond had in the boxing in Screenville, which led to our goal, but it shouldn't have happened. Right. 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 One one no call that was very clear to me is right around the 14 minute mark. Um, Jaden Onan is receiving uh, a pass back, takes two touches, and then is clattered into by uh, Angelo Kelly Rosales at the top of the Knoxville box. The ref is literally five feet away, watches it all happen. Jaden goes down, and rightly so, but the ref didn't call anything. Now, while you know, the Knoxville player did get the ball first. It was one of those uh, going through the man to get the ball type of situations where, like, he already had possession. Um, and it seemed to me like a little bit dangerous play. Uh, but nothing happened there. Um, and Knoxville's defense played very physically against us all game long. Uh, lots of pushing and leaving a foot or an elbow on challenges yet all of the cards were distributed in the second half. Uh, There were zero cards actually given out in that first half. Um, One of the things that I found sort of interesting uh, is this head referee, uh, Jose Carlos Rivero, and here's another example, uh, like more fuel for my fire around pro just pro is professional referees organization. Very inventive name, obviously. Uh, But, Pro, a lot of brain trust in that operation. Yeah, pro doesn't give a fuck about who their employees are. This referee, Jose Carlos Rivera, was arrested and charged for workers' compensation fraud in 2014, receiving 14 grand in unlawful benefits through New York State Workers' Comp Board while he was officiating MLS games. Like, to me, which is why he's not officiating MLS games correct. anymore, mind you. Correct. Right. The, so he's a dirty rep. How that, can you, how can you like, it just doesn't make sense. Like you're supposed to be an impartial person here. It's like a judge. Like, do you want someone who's a judge in a trial to be someone who has a record of being an unlawful or, you know, biased person, potentially someone who may have skin in the game. Otherwise, like it's the same, same concept, right? Like, and yeah. that's, and again, not saying anything here, not accusing anything here. But what's one of the things that throughout refereeing is, is the biggest concern with referees that they're not fixing games, they're not throwing games, right? We see because it's happened in baseball, you know, in major leagues, it's happened in. You know, for basketball. basketball with Tim Cunningham, with Tim you know, you have a guy who's been arrested for doing something devious already. For fraud. For fraud. fraud. He's been arrested for fraud already. Right. 
who's to say that he's not he's not unreachable now yeah right and and that's not to say that like that people are putting money against us or anything i'm just saying you're leaving that reasonable doubt right and when you're having people who are supposed to be the judges of the game like mitch is saying why the fuck is he here right i mean and the only answer you can get is it's literally because it's all they can get <laughs> yeah they need bodies like there, you, has, that's, there has to be it that has that's to be. it like that's it it's the same thing when like it like you know they need bodies they need people to do these jobs they don't have enough refs yeah these aren't full-time people either right like and so you know, i give a lot of crap to jervis out of ghana he's not a full-time ref right he, no, he, has, no, a, he has another be. job he has another job on the side that he does full-time let's right. hope it's not being an uh an optometrist so. <laughs> yeah um you know i think we we we, we probably complain about the referees enough i mean it's it's a sort of fruitless sure. endeavor at this point we understand they're a known quantity and they are not going to get any better anytime we'll, soon. Uh, we'll do more complaining next week see you yeah then. yeah exactly um yeah. but uh, i want to talk real quick about this darth of, of goals um is it down to just trying to find a perfect opportunity you know, for example, in this game, around the 10-minute mark, Derek uh, is breaking but decides to try to draw out defenders instead of laying it off to Cheney, who probably could have had a shot on frame. Yep. And instead dribbles it back to the edge of the 18-yard box, tries some stepovers before kicking it out of bounds after being yep. pressured by two defenders. Um, so I guess my, my question is, you know, is it down to trying to find a perfect opportunity and who's supposed to set the example and the tone for the rest of the team on how to play in front of goal. You know, if it's somebody like Derek, who's a third year vet on this team, if someone like him isn't brave and taking chances, like what does that communicate to the rest of the team? Yeah, I think that, you know, um, to me, the guy that you would want to be leading that up front um, is Shannon. You know, you want Cheney to be, that's who you, you, you got to get the ball to. You know, I mean, he he's your number nine for a reason, you know. And it seemed to me like that was, you know, Knoxville definitely, that was part of the approach too. Um, they seemed to put a box around Cheney. Like they, they wanted to limit the amount of times that we were going through him. If that's the case, then I think it goes to the people behind him, you know. And so that's where Jaden... And whether it's moral or, um, you know, uh, Nazim or Francis, whoever it might be, then it comes up to them because, and that was, you know, that was another thing that I thought Knoxville, um, that they were doing is they were, they didn't want Cheney and they didn't want Jaden to have the ball. And they really did a lot of work on trying to prevent them getting the ball when they got the ball it's like you said they were there you know using their face with an arm or an elbow or you know kick or something like that but um yeah i, I think it's those two guys that kind of have to be generating the attack up front um derek has been amazingly you know consistent this year um for whatever reason, last game, I mean, it seemed like there was a few times, and I know exactly the time you're talking about because Cheney threw his arms up at him after it happened. Right. I was just like, you know, it was just like, 
you know, what are you doing? And so, um, that's been something we've dealt with for years though, is looking for that perfect opportunity, trying to make sure that it's clean and rather than just throwing a ball on frame and letting it happen. I mean, because clang ball, it it works in this league, as we know. I wonder if it's like a training thing where our defense is so good that the only way to score on our defense in training is by putting in a perfect opportunity. It might be. (laughs) It might be. I mean, and that's just, you know, um, I think that was the thing that was I was most concerned about with this with this game was just the opportunities and the shots on goal were the lowest we've seen all season. Yep. I mean, and it was just com- like Mitch said, it was completely at you know reverse from what we've seen all year of this team doing exactly what I was just talking about, just throwing shots on goal. And eventually saying, like, hey, one of these is going to go in. And in the case of Greenville, four of them did. And so, yeah, um, yeah this this was a strange game. Strange game. So, Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, Knoxville outshot us in this game 10 to 7. We only had seven total shots. We had yeah. 17 last game. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's – yeah. yeah. So we had three shots on frame this game. That's it. Um, you know, at one More point, than yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be at, fair. yes, that is, that is, that is fair. Uh, another thing I noticed in this game, just the lack, that seeming lack of intentionality. Like there was a lot of back passing and lateral passing past seasons. You know, we've, we've struggled to be advantageous with our passing, even though we, we had a lot high passing percentage, but this year overall, we're at 35% plus passing forward with just 16% directionally backwards. You know, we, we can't regress, but what was it about this game for you guys? I mean, was it something Knoxville did or just a lack of confidence? Cause you know, as we know from Matt, from experience, he's got a plan. Yeah. I think, I think it's what we touched on earlier and what you said. I think they were tired and just the legs were, were gone for whatever reason. Um, that to me is usually the biggest sign that our club is tired is when we start backpassing. And so as we saw last year, as we got really tired into the season and, you know, we started moving the ball on the back. It's yeah. When we're, when we're, when we're healthy and we're, we're rolling, yeah, we're moving forward all the time. The ball's always moving forward. Let me ask you guys a question. So Knox, Knoxville played on Sunday. Yeah. And, and we played on Saturday. Do you think, I mean, is it down to fixture congestion then at this point? I mean, early season fixture congestion seems like a problem when we don't have fit, enough fitness in the first place. I mean, like, maybe. Um, uh, there's there's something to be said about Knoxville getting, uh, they were 11 v 10 for almost all their match against Fuego. Um and so you could say that maybe they didn't have to work as hard in that game. You know, maybe that helped, maybe that helped them out. Um, but, you know, I, it, it's hard to say. And also, um, you know, we're without, we're without Mitch. Um, and we could be using all of our subs because um, we're not. Uh, I don't, I think there's been one game this year where we used all five subs. Um, I might be wrong on that. Someone, someone can double check that for me. But I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think it's, it's not right. Yeah, I mean, 
there was a point at 30 around the 38 minute mark where both teams are literally just kicking it back and forth at each other instead of trying to keep possession. Like <laughs> just like I'm watching this thing. I'm just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like just ping ponging it back and forth. Like it seemed like no team really was trying to execute some sort of cohesive plan. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, like both of you mentioned earlier, I, I felt like, you know, Timmy Mel had probably his best game for us yet. Our defense showed up in this game. Um, yeah. He had yep. an 8.0 on Fot Mob. He was the man of the match, at least on Fot Mob. Uh, he had eight clearances, three interceptions, nine recoveries, and won six out of eight of his duels. Um, Brotherton played his first full 90 game, but was pretty quiet for the most part. Um, won three out of four of his aerial duels, had six recoveries, but had zero tackles or ground duels even attempted. Uh, and so if you're did, coming, and, it, and if you're coming in, you want you want him to be quiet, yeah, right. You know, I don't want to have to, you know, come on here talking about, you know, unless it's him scoring goal. The only way you talk about a defender is if they're like Timmy Mayo, where they're like head and shoulders above everyone else, score or they're terrible, right? Right. And he was he was good. He was what we wanted. He was exactly what you needed. So. Yeah. Cello, no, I Cello had another really good display this game too. Uh, so so he, wa- he was only limited to one chance uh, created in 67% passing, though he did have seven uh, passes into the final third this game. He played more def- more of a defensive role. I feel like in this game than previous ones, mm-hmm. he had four interceptions and 10 recoveries, um, which like defensively is better than Brotherton played. Um, yep. I feel like he played more like an eight role in this yep. game than sure he- felt, sure felt like it. Yep. Um, but compared to previous games this season, our number, uh, our percentage of tackles, duels, uh, one in other parts of the pitch, like the middle and final third was quite low. Um, I, I don't know what you put that down to, if it's just tired legs, because we just played on Saturday. Um, you know, obviously (laughs) Jaden kind of coming back in after sitting for 10, what was it? 10 days, something like that. Um, so probably shaking off a little bit of rust. Keep in mind, this is our fifth game of the season. Um, so, uh, I thought Prentice looked lively again in his cameo. He, he nearly connected with Cheney for a chance in the 88th minute. Uh, very quiet night for burn Shipman though. One, only one save in six recoveries, which is lower than he's had, (laughs) I think in a, a single half in most games he's played this season. I think one save is unfair to him um, because I think the save, I think the save that uh, that they probably credited him with was the uh, um, was the very weak Jake Keegan shot um, in the first half uh, that hit from Derek Waldeck that was very clearly supposed to be a cross um, that was heading for that was heading for goal um, and that was a really that was a really good swap by Burned and then. Also, at the very very end of the game, 90th minute or in stoppage time, uh, there was another another ball that came in that he swatted over the bar as well. That you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't do something about that, that that might be a goal too. So, I think that one save is unfair. I think that he had a pretty good game overall. Um, but yeah, he wasn't ter- you know he wasn't terribly tested. Other no. than that, you know, Knoxville Knoxville doesn't have a great attack. No, um, you know I. Jake Keegan is a known quantity in this league. Uh, Jimmy Villalobos has not done great for them this year. 
Um, and then, you know, the other guys that they have aren't really a known quantity at all. And it's kind of showing. It's kind of showing. Um, they're playing that style of uh, of Omaha uh, high press um, that I'm, I was very unsurprised to see that because that's how Mark McKeever teams play. Right. Um, but you have to have the quality uh, to actually finish at the end. And Omaha in the past has done that. I don't see that from this Knoxville team so far. So this this has the feeling of a, a like a Knoxville team that um, they're hanging on now, like they're hanging in games now. But eventually, as the season goes on and more and more teams figure out what they're doing and where they can attack, um, this is going to turn bad for them. They're <laughs> right. also a very young team. They exactly. have a lot of I mean, they have a lot of college players and. One thing, um, one thing I've heard about college players, um, I think this was, um, I think this was Carl Craig, who who I remember saying this is that college players can be very skilled, but they do not have the level of fitness coming straight out of college that a professional does. Right. Um, and so you can try riding these guys for ninety minutes a game or however long, but um, midway through the season these guys are yeah. going to start getting tired legs and not be able to not be able to and, handle it and keep up and, and and it makes sense the, the the college soccer season only runs for for dudes at least it only runs from august to october and even if they're playing league 2 or something like that right you know the, i mean there's not a, there's not a there's not a congested schedule there by any right. means but like when the highest level that you're playing is only for three, three months, three four months tops, and that's if you're in the you know in the NCAA playoffs or NAI playoffs. Thing about a pro season, you know, four you know we get four months into the season, we still have a ways to go yet, right? You know, and how are these guys? You know, are they going to have the fitness level, you know, to push through that wall? And this is something that you hear in every level of, of sports about college guys coming into the professional level is that the rookies always hit a wall. The young guys always hit a wall because it's just, it's, it's a grind, you know? And I think that that's, you know, you bring up a great point, Andrew, where we're only five games into this, you know, and we got a team full of guys that have done this, that have a lot of professional experience. Um, yeah. And we're having this conversation in late July, um, yeah, I'm concerned. But right now, we're still figuring it out. You know, still figuring it out. Yeah, and I'm, we're not I'm losing games. Concerned. We're not losing games. Okay. So, I'm also concerned in that in that case with Lexington as well because they yeah. they have even more college guys. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah. if you want to, if you want proof as to how this typically goes in this league, you can just take a look at 2019 Tormenta, uh, where they came in and a lot of those guys had played together in league two in 2018 with Tormenta and they lit the league on fire. They were in second place by a long way, uh, midway through the season. And then they fell off of a cliff and yeah. not only missed the playoffs, but didn't come close. Like they were far and away. It was just them in North Texas at the top come start of July. And then by the end of it, they fell to like sixth or seventh place. And that's 
you know, that's kind of just how, how it goes for some of these guys. Cause you can have all the, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the, you know, all the cohesiveness and chemistry in the world, but if you can't, if you can't run, you can't win. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of somebody with a weak shot earlier on, uh, Jake Keegan had some choice moments in this game. Uh, and I mean, I'll go on record saying he's a fucking dirty cheating bastard. Uh, in more just, ways than one. Yeah, just before the half. Oh, by the way, he only got a five point nine on Fat Mob for this game. Um, I don't know where you're looking with these Fat Mob scores because I'm looking at their website and he's got a five point eight. Oh, don't yeah. give him that extra. Uh, don't give him that extra tenth of a point. Maybe they brought him down. Anyway, yeah. so he makes an effort just before half to stomp on Aiden Macias's foot. And then, I mean, you go rewatch it. They, they slowed it down to like show what happened because it was off camera. Initially Macias is on the ground kind of sliding and Jake, like kind of reorients himself mid mid air to put his foot right down on top of Aiden's as he's landing to the point where, Macias has to come off at halftime. Um, he then scissor tackles, wheels at 50 minutes, uh, right in front of the referee. No car again. Um, yeah, he is not going to get a nice reception when he when Knoxville visits Madison. We'll put it that way. He should get uh, the welcome that our good friend Liam gave him every, last year. <laughs> you know, every time. Yes. I mean, I think. Jake Keegan has now entered into the realm of uh, having to be a goon in order to um, still have a job. We his, skill, his skills have diminished to the point, and this happens. I mean, this is why I quit playing soccer, is I was tired of playing in leagues with older guys who couldn't keep up and would just chop you every time that you would try and go past them. And so, because that's, that's what happens, right? is that as the skills diminish, a lot of times you get dirty. And that's that's where he's at because this is not the first time we've seen this happen. He does this in almost every game he plays. And he's, you know, USL, he's USL one's Harry Kane, um, where he's the, the king of, of waiting for, you know, the ball to go up and then like, oh, I'll just position myself right underneath you. you know? At least Harry Kane is um, or... Hey. So, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, the play you're talking about, it, it's, it's, it's obvious. I mean, you sent us a clip of it and, you know, there's no reason for him. He could have just played through the ball and like leapt over Aiden. Yeah. Right. And wouldn't have had to lose his momentum moving forward. Well, that's the thing. Aiden was nowhere near the ball at this point. Right. Exactly. And so, but made the decision to do that. Right. And, um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a he's a dirty son of a bitch, and like I said, more ways than one, as we know. Yeah, I'd like it if when he comes to Madison, every time he touches the ball, chop him, he gets booed. Yeah, yeah. Every, just, everyone in the stadium is boo him. I'm a, I'm at the point where I'm like, this late in the game and he's still on there. Throw throw somebody out and tell him go get a card. Go yeah. chop him. Yeah, I mean, go that's... chop. That's the kind of reception you get when you are known for hitting on your teammates' girlfriends. Yeah. Chop them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
let's talk real quick to close this game out because there's not a whole lot I f- else I feel like we can really get out of this game. Uh, yeah. Cheney, Kristen Cheney's yellowed uh, in the for diving in the 54th minute. And from re- even seeing it full speed at the time, I, I couldn't argue with that call. Uh, yeah, you know no, what? It, it was a dive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was definitely another refereeing inconsistency. You're going to call a guy for simulation, but you won't call a guy for like scissor tackling somebody. Like, right. Anyway, Cheney, Cheney needs to learn that they don't that we don't get calls. Yes, on this team. Yeah, and so there's Correct. no point in diving. Just run there's through. Doesn't... Just LeBron James are ass and just yeah. run through them. Yep. I will say on the positive side of things. He was really, really, Cheney was really good again in the air, run seven of his 10 aerial duels. Uh, but Knoxville did, like you were saying earlier, Grant, they largely took him out of the game. Uh, he won just two of eight ground duels. Um, didn't have very much in the way of shots, obviously, if we're only getting seven shots in uh, across the entire team uh, all game. Uh, but yeah, just kind of a stinker all around for um, a lot of our guys, a lot of Knoxville's guys. Uh, and not not a super fun game to watch. Um, yeah, please, guys, because obviously everybody's all of them are listening to this. Obviously, uh, with spoiler, they're not. None of them fucking listen to this. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> score some fucking goals. It's way more uh, entertaining for people to watch. And if I gotta rewatch a game, like uh, make it exciting for me, right? Come on. But not every team can be Tormenta and have. Yeah all but two of their games be decided by two or more goals. Right. Yeah. However, to wrap it up, it's still a point. Yep. We're still undefeated. And as the old adage goes, win at home, draw on the road, go to the playoffs. Yep. So. And the next the next away game, the next league game is a tough one. Top of the table, North Carolina going to visit uh, old pal with an asterisk, Mikey Maldonado, uh, out out in uh, North Carolina, out in Cary. That's bound to be a spicy match. That is uh, not this coming Saturday, uh, but the Saturday after. So we've got another 10-day uh, absence of football, at least on the Ford Madison side of things. Before picking it back up on the thirteenth, away to North Carolina. I don't know. I don't know how you count the days, but that is six days away. Yeah, from six now, days. Andrew. From now, from the last game, it's okay. ten days. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, one thing I did want to talk about today. Uh, it's been a little. Uh, we don't need to give it too much time entirely, but um, some reports in from uh, bars near the stadium or downtown. Uh, passing along info to somebody else that works in the sort of uh, beverage industry uh, that some Ford Madison fans, and I say fans with, uh, as my friends over in England call it, inverted commas, uh, are gaining a bad reputation for their post-game behavior. Um, Which, I mean, look, it seems to me like this is a small group of of sort of bad actors to use a not so great, an overused term, uh, but bad actors kind of being assholes to service staff after probably being overserved. Um, without going too much into details, um, it sounds like not just rude behavior, it was a piece of theft of, of art at a bar nearby the stadium that was, uh, they did return it, but it was brought back broken. Um, 
So what, what do you guys make of this overall? I mean, obviously, like, ideally, people would be going out having a good time and be, you know, be in good spirits because we got a fucking pro team here in town and we got a, a club to rally around. Um, I don't give a shit if it's a win or a loss, you know? Yeah. <laughs> show show some decorum, you know, a little bit of that. And, like, don't be asshole to service staff. They, they got to deal with that shit enough. Um. I guess for me, um, you know, having worked in the service industry for a long time as well, um, there's two, there's, there's, this is a, this is a multi-layered discussion, right? Because the other part of there's, there's part of this too, where it's like, I think any time that you're involving alcohol, especially in this state, you're going, you're going to have a portion of the population that's going to act like this. You can go across the globe and find portions of supporter groups and portions of supporters acting like this. Right. And that being said, that doesn't excuse it. No. Right. It doesn't excuse it. Um, it happens. And the way that you prevent it from continuing to happen is doing exactly what we're doing and just calling it out. Um, be better, you know, be better. Yeah. We're not by, you know, we're going to be the last people to come up here and say, don't go to the game, have some drinks, have fun, have, you know, have some yucks with your, with your friends. We're doing the same thing. Right. But there's a way to do this where you don't have to be a complete fucking asshole about it. And if you find yourself becoming an asshole when you're doing this, maybe don't do it. Maybe don't do it. Maybe take a break. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe that understand that that's the, that the issue is not the team losing or not getting it. it it's you. And that maybe you need to, t- to take some time. And that to me is, I think what needs to be said is because I don't think necessarily people are inherently bad, but as Andrew, you and I have talked about alcohol, it's one of those things where it lowers, it lowers the guards. And sometimes the person who you really are comes out. And um, if you don't want to be that person, don't lower the guards. So Yeah, I mean, so kind of what you're saying is like what you're getting at. We've talked about this before. Like, is it the alcohol or is it the people? Right. Right. You know, like and it's, that's, that, it's and, the, and that's what, not a debate I can answer because ultimately that's that's the per- the person that thing. Yeah. 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 I do have a couple of things to say about it. And I, I agree with Grant on all those pieces. Um, the biggest thing I want to talk about is how it has been handled by certain people. Um, the person who initially brought it to our attention, um, he is not, I, I don't know if you guys know him, but he's not a very, uh, you know, prominent member of, of the flock. Um, I had to go back and see that he even had posted in uh in there before and he came in with no proof he came in saying he did not say a bar he would not say names um and me initially looking at that as like are you just here trying to start shit which it turns out he wasn't but from a first glance probably not the way to handle things just being like yeah you nameless people at these nameless bars 
are doing these things according to respected bartenders that I will also not name do better. It's like, what, what are we supposed to do with this information? Yeah, I think the, the sort of general populace probably don't know what to do in that type of situation. It's all speculative at that point. Yeah. It's hard to, yeah. it's hard to be actionable about it. And I think the intention of the, of the person that brought it up. So just so everybody's aware, this is brought up like on a, a Facebook forum uh, and was meant more or less to be like, a, hey, I'm not going to name names. Just knock this shit off so that we don't have to I don't have to hear about it again. That, I think that was the intention. Um, but I think when you've got several thousand people in a, in a Facebook group, it's, it's probably only going to be perceived like that by a small amount of people. Yeah. Um, and those people probably aren't actually going to care. Right. If right. you're not naming them, they're not going to care at that point. Probably not. Right. The other, the other piece that I wanted to bring up um, is sharing it outside of our, I mean, the, Ford Madison Supporters Group is a public group, but it's fairly private, all things considered. Don't post it on Reddit like one person did, and I had to remove it. And don't put it on a USL forum because they don't need to know. This is yep. internal, internal, internal drama with anything does not need to go out. It's like if you're having relationship problems your relationship problems don't need to be posted all over the internet. The other part of that too, Mitch is, um, don't speak for people. Like don't speak for people. Like, you know, um, don't go on, on a discord and start apologizing for it. You know, don't speak for people. You know, if you know, we didn't even know that that, that, that information was valid. It, Exactly. I mean, and like, you know, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just like those lessons. It's like, unless you are one of the people directly involved. Probably right? might not be any of your business. That's like a, that's like a, yeah. Hey, now we know about this. Let's, let's yeah. just do better. Let's be better yeah. about it. But unless you are one of the people that's directly involved in the behavior or directly involved in like, why the fuck are you saying anything? I mean, and who are, who are you? Who are you to speak for, for to speak for all for a group of people, you know? And unless you have, like, that's that's why we have roles within the flock. That's why we have a president. That's why we have a vice president. That's why we have people on the board to handle these type of situations. Well, I don't think it really that's, had anything to do with flock people at all. No, I mean, we don't, but like, we don't but, know that again. But it, you know, but again, if that's why we have those roles. That's why they exist. So don't go and speak on behalf of a group of people if, unless well, even you've, then, been de you've been designated to do so. I'll tell you right now, Omaha fans aren't apologizing in the USL Discord for their behavior. So, yeah. I also yeah. I also want to point out, uh, in addition, that you know, just because there's a couple people in pink that are causing problems doesn't mean that it's the whole fan base. Right. Um, right. Because right. you know. And maybe maybe it's a problem for these few people, but if those people were wearing red instead, they were wearing UW gear, it wouldn't they wouldn't be like UW fans are a problem. You know, right. well, there are assholes in every fan base. It doesn't and, matter where you are in the world, because assholes exist everywhere. Yep. <laughs> um I mean for for example, Jacksonville Jaguars, 
you know, they have a pretty, pretty cool fan base, all things considered. Back about 10, 15 years ago, a, uh, a Jaguars fan got in a disagreement at the bar with an opposing Bears fan who was in Jacksonville to watch the game, shot the Bears fan and killed him. I don't think that most Jaguars fans are going to go out and kill opposing fans. There are assholes in every fan base. I'm not saying that there are people in any fan base who are going to go kill an opposing fan, but those people exist everywhere. Sure. So I think singling out and saying that forward Madison fans have a reputation for being bad, uh, bad customers or whatever, I think is extremely unfair based on the actions of a very, very small amount of people. Correct. So um, I think that's also too broad brush. So come on. I think all that to say, you know, if you see this type of behavior when you're out and about, it is okay to hold people accountable and, you know, not to say, Hey, dickhead, you're making us all look bad, but saying, Hey, no one deserves to be talked to like that. Or if you broke something, yeah, if you broke something, <laughs> be accountable for it. Like that's just yeah. being a good human being. It has nothing to do with being a soccer fan. And do um, this in your actual lives as well. If someone's screwing up, whether that's, you know, whether it's friends or family, hold them accountable for it because right. people, people, people are... aren't going to change until they're held accountable for things. Yep. So they're going to keep, they're going to keep doing the wrong thing until they're held accountable. Yeah, and the other piece I want to get across too is, uh, even though we are a bunch of like fucking talking heads on a stupid podcast, or, or even the the magazine that we that we make, which we're working on issue two right now, don't worry, it'll be out. <laughs> but just because we're we have a platform does not mean that we speak for everybody. It doesn't even mean that we're right. No. Uh, we're Lord a bunch, knows. you know, like we're we're I've talking shit right. most of the time. So take it take it with a huge pile of salt. Uh, but yeah, just just be nice to people. Uh, don't be an asshole. If you want to be an asshole, don't come to games. Don't wear the it's colors. Cool. Yeah. And mind your business. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in other news, and we can probably, uh, after that, kind of close things out for the day. Uh, we are going to have a very short uh, radio show. It's not really a radio show. We're going to be a part of... It's a segment. Yeah, we're going to be a part of... Hey, Mom, I'm done recording my segments. <laughs> There's going to be a new uh, WORT nightly news segment called Forward Focus. Uh, it's going to be bi-weekly, and it's starting this Thursday at 6 p.m. talking about uh, kind of the this initial episode will be talking about uh, the, the kind of the genesis of the club, uh, how the fan base formed around it, um, and uh, just some some other bits and bobs. But, uh, yeah, every other Thursday starting this, this Thursday at 6 p.m., uh, as part of getting onboarded for this, uh, we had to uh, learn about the seven dirty words that you can never say on the radio because of the FCC cracking down on George Carlin, of all people. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we figure we got to give the people what they want. Uh, so to do that, we use the the most modern of all uh, uh, of the technology that's out there uh, and built our own NDZ robot. Hello, this is NDZ bot with a special message. Shit. Piss. 
fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits. Also, Jake Keegan is a dirty bastard. Thank you. Thank you, Uneasy Bot. I don't think that last one is against FCC regulations. In yeah, fact, I think yeah. it's encouraged to say that. So. Yeah, the Jake Keegan clause is on the way. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I like how she says NDZ. I didn't even program her to be like that, but she's yeah. obviously British. Or Canadian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. only the finest for our listeners, right? <laughs> you uh, got to give the people what they want. Yeah, and, and by the way, if you haven't backed us on the Patreon yet, that that NDZ bot is not cheap. Uh, blew all of our year's budget just on that promo alone. So you know we're gonna have to air that at least five more times. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, drive the point home. Yeah, NDZ butt. She's almost almost as saucy as the Zoom lady. Almost. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm like, has has she received? Has she elevated to crush level? No, uh, no, take give it time. Give it time. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yes, please listen to Forward Focus again starting this Thursday on WRT. You can listen live on their website. 89.9. Uh, yeah, or on the radio. This is probably yeah. a mistake for them to give us the spot. But you know what? Uh, we're going to go for it as long as we can. Uh Anyway, that's, I think, about it for our show today, unless you guys have anything else. I'm, I'm pretty out of ideas at this point. More than I usual. mean, Yeah, I mean, I guess I think the next one, I mean, unless we want to talk about Carolina, but we already kind of did, so. Yeah, I don't know if we will have an NDZ Live this week, just because we're working on, on the, the radio spot. Um, but we will have another Sunday seance next Sunday after the North Carolina game. Uh, so please tune in for that. Watch our socials for how to connect with us there. Um, no callers today, but that's fine. Uh, it was a kind of boring week uh, for soccer and not a whole ton to talk about. Yet somehow we still filled an hour's worth of content. Um, yeah. That's I don't know. I mean, I, get, I, I mean, if you, if you give me USL refs, Jake Keegan, you know, I can talk for at least 45 minutes on those topics. So, uh, but again, thank you all for listening this week or tuning in on, on the, the YouTube live stream. And, uh, we will see you and hopefully chat to you next Sunday for Sunday seance. And we'll see you then.